This episode of The Concession Stand is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites. It's a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all of the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head on over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash popcorn to sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site and get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash popcorn, or just use the promo code popcorn at checkout for your first month free. And now, enjoy the show. You're listening to the Concession Stand Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. From movies and TV to consoles and video games, don't let your geek flag fly with your hosts, Nick Howe and Andy Nelson. To the Concession Stand Podcast. But if you're joining us for the first time, we are glad to have you on board for episode number 57. This is one of our special bonus review episodes where yes. we break down a big release and give a spoiler filled take on it. This time, it's the one we've been waiting for all year. Yes. Star Wars The Last Jedi. But I'm Nick Howell, and sitting across from me, as always, Mr. Andy Nelson, how are you, sir? I am great. It's Last Jedi. We finally get to talk about this movie, and the spoilers will be abound. We're going to talk all about it and things we liked, maybe some things we didn't like, but... Uh, Lots of things we, we didn't gotta, like. <laughs> we should probably crack a beer first. Let's do that real quick. Yes. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Okay. Uh, all right, guys. Well, I, Andy, I, if you don't mind, if you'll humor me, I'd like to start this off with kind of our quick reactions before we dive into the yes. minutia of breaking this down. And we've been looking forward to this all year, so it deserves some really special attention. But let me be upfront and completely crystal clear about my stance on this movie. Um, the overall result that Ryan Johnson put out should absolutely be celebrated. Yeah. And I want to be clear about that. Before we get into the nitpicky stuff, I absolutely want to be clear that I mean, it's a fantastic addition to the extension of the, the Star Wars saga that we've had for decades now. Yep. And, and when it's viewed as a single chapter of that epic story, of the overall storyline, it does fit very well. It cleans cleanly wraps up some of the bits. It begins and extends some newer bits that we uh, picked up in Force Awakens, for example. Um, I, I have, personally, I have no intention of just looking at this as a single piece of, of standalone work. You can't, even though a lot of people are doing that now. I don't view it that way. Yeah. And, and Ryan Johnson's real achievement with the film, uh, if I may say, is is allowing the characters' arcs to drive that actual story itself. And and the story was weaving in and out yep. around all of these character arcs that were just running in parallel the whole time. So does it have its flaws? Does it feel like huge chunks were left on the cutting room floor while others just were completely unnecessary? Yeah, absolutely it does. And, and we'll dive into those here shortly. But first, Andy, I kind of want to give you a chance here. What were your initial thoughts on it? Um, I have. Uh, I was thrilled when I saw it the first time. I've had the pleasure of seeing it a second time. I like it no matter what because it's Star Wars. But after the second viewing, I find myself in the same spot where I was with the prequels. Huh? Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm waiting. Uh -oh. I'm waiting through some uninteresting like CG sh stuff. <laughs> stuff. <laughs> 
uh, to get to the parts that I like, but we'll get into that later when we get into it. Let's talk about some actual facts. Nick? I, I predicted it. It came true. Which yes. It was an easy prediction sure. to make. Let's be clear about that. It, it did break the $200 million opening weekend mark with $220 million, second only to Star Wars The Force Awakens. <laughs> of course it was. So, yes, it has now made, now grossed worldwide $450 million in an opening weekend, which, yeah, yeah we all thought it was going to do stupid numbers, and it has. It's it's followed suit. So, while these initial responses and the critics are at a pretty high percentage, I'm hearing a bit of a mixed review across the board from individuals. Uh, these audiences do seem to be pretty divided. Yeah, we're going to get into that, I think. But uh, I do want to tell a story. Oh, um, okay. I Last night, uh, for my second viewing, I took my brother, um, who you can listen to on our standalone episode. We actually talked to my brother, Ryan Nelson, about uh, his upcoming, or actually his movie that's available right now on video uh, on demand, Mercy Christmas. I took him to the Director's Guild, and we got to see Last Jedi. And then after the fact, they bring out uh, Ryan Johnson to do like a little talk, like a Q&A. So Spike Jones, the director, was the moderator of that, which is awesome. Ja- of jackass lore. <laughs> yeah, but but like of also like, you know, all of his other amazing things that he's done. Sure. And um, so we get to hear from Ryan Johnson. And here's my biggest takeaway from what he said. And it shocked me when I heard this. Right. Last night, Ryan Johnson said that there was no overall plan for these characters, meaning that there wasn't like a Bible that said like, okay, here's what's going to happen between seven, eight and nine. All right. I thought Which that- I'm shocked by because of Disney and Feige and like what they're doing with Marvel. Like you would imagine that there would be a plan. Even Kathy Kennedy. And I, and I've involved. heard from friends of mine that worked on, on force awakens that there was a, like a Bible, like Lawrence Kazan and JJ Abrams wrote like, here's what's going to happen. Even though we're not going to be involved with it, whether or not any of this is true. Huh? Here's what Johnson said. So, he writes the script based on the script that J.J., Lawrence Kazan, and even Michael Arndt, I don't know, whatever they were writing at the time. While Force Awakens was shooting, before we ever got a cut of Force Awakens and what happened, and what we know as Force Awakens, and things have certainly changed since they shot it and they cut it, right? Yeah. While they were writing that script, or I'm sorry, while they were shooting that movie, Ryan Johnson wrote the script for uh, Last Jedi and was able to take the characters, and he was given carte blanche to do whatever he wanted with those characters, Finn, Poe, Ray, Luke, anybody, right? He, he knew that Han Solo was going to be dead because that was in that script. And he knew maybe that at the end of it, uh, Luke was going to do a bunch of like facial um, emotes and then he would get to start his movie. Now, this script was written and done 15 months before they ever went into production on episode eight. Holy smokes. Amazing. Amazing. So, Knowing that, that's a big thing that 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 because <laughs> there's a lot of things that, that people have questions about. But if you know that fact, which he said, and he said it to a room full of people at the Directors Guild, so he's not going to lie about it, yeah. right? Here's where we're at. So let's talk about what worked. Um, the first one that came out came to mind was unpredictability. Yes. Um, the thing that stood out, one of the things that stood out was we we pick up right where we left off at the end of Force Awakens immediately with Ray handing his lights at Luke his lightsaber again, and there's that moment of dramatic pause, like oh my god, it's my lightsaber, robot hand grabbing yep. it, and oh, and he chucks it over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, what that 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 caught me off guard. And at that point, we know that all bets are off, right? Y- yeah. I I I did really didn't know what to expect. Or is this a comic sidekick 
Yoda on Dagobah thing with Luke Ray being Luke now? And is that a repurposing ah. of that whole? But once that happens, like, because we all want, like, oh, you're here finally. Let's tell you who your parents are. Let's, yes. uh, like, let's now you found Solve me. All the you found me, right? No, it's it's angry Yoda, Luke. <clears throat> yeah. And then we get into the point where they're sort of training, but not training. We see what Luke's day to day is, and it's really annoying. And he's got his X wing like hidden underneath it, like oh, so he could leave at any time and be Luke again. And then we find out this. There's this weird, like uh, I'll call it like a demystification of the Jedi and the Sith and all these rules that we have that we have gone into this movie thinking like, okay, well, she has to be the the daughter of somebody and. Kylo Ren is is this and Snoke's the this guy and like all of these rules. The minute he throws that lightsaber over his shoulder, and then he suddenly tells, we learn that he has, you know, he's not uh, in tune with the Force anymore. He's sworn it off. He he thinks the Jedi should end. We don't know why yet. We'll get to that in a minute, but we don't know where this movie is going to go. And this is the story that everybody wants to know. We've been waiting two years for this, and here we are. Well, you brought this up under things that worked, and I'm going to revisit this when we get down to things that didn't work. Okay. Because I want to I want to go on a little bit of a rant about this whole demystification of Jedi's and Sith and all the the Force and all of that kind the of rules. stuff. The rules, essentially the rules of yes. this entire trilogy and series of movies that we've been fans of for 40 years. That was one of the big things coming out of Force Awakens and a recent reviewing of it uh going in before going into Last Jedi. That really didn't work for me, so I'll save that for later. Okay. Uh, well, let's keep let's continue on the positives. What yep. worked? Um, the comedy. Let's talk about the comedy stuff that because it was it was profound in this right off the episode, bat. Right off right? the bat, the whole the the whole Poe Dameron calling General Hux and like I'm, I'm holding. Yep. Yeah, uh, wait. Uh huh. Wait. And the, <laughs> it's funny right off the it, bat. It reeks of JJ though. But he had nothing to do with it. I know. Well, eh, that we know of. Right. It just it it just it that it feels like it has his stamp on it a little bit still. Uh, but as far as we know, no. So there was a certain, there were certain times where it worked. There were certain times where it didn't. There's slapsticky stuff in there, like the Kylo Ren turning and going, mm, yeah, and turning around and looking at Hux when after the big battle and everything. That's an example of okay, it didn't work of, for me. A lot more like comic relief jokes in this movie than I think any Star Wars movie, though, in my opinion. Whether or not it's slapsticky, like. She throws something over the the side of the mountain and it hits the the little uh, caretakers of the of Octo right. or whatever and the 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 little I don't know you even call those people yet I'll have to like look it up on look at toad people or <laughs> something <laughs> yeah and then uh, yeah and it, it's just it's funny 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 and then not funny and then funny and then but like, like come on there's there's a good amount of like funny moments in this movie so yes comedy's a big thing but then we also have like a glimpse into like there are these new powers where. Somehow, um, and we don't find it out until later in the movie, uh, Kylo and Rey can speak to each other and see each other in a way way that we, we've we never seen before. Well, Microsoft has developed a new force power. <laughs> we've always had the force choke yes. and the force pull yep, and all yep, of yep, that yep, stuff. Yep. Well, now we have force Skype. <laughs> That's funny. So apparently they can... Yeah. And we saw hints of this in the original trilogy with... Luke calling back to Leia. Sure. Yeah, for me, this was kind of a carry on of that kind of thing that yeah, happened. But they can like see each other, and then like there's like a water that hits, and now suddenly Kylo has like water on his hand, and there's that funny moment where like he's shirtless for no reason, and she's right. like, "Can you put a shirt on?" or whatever she says, you know, like. Right. Uh, it's it's interesting that that but she can see more of him than he could see of her, and like there's these like cool like force powers which. There's another one, but like there's these force powers that we we hadn't seen, so like there's new rules, so to speak, that are coming up, and and and, and I kind of go along with it. Here's the other thing that's a big like cool thing for me is the fact that um, right off the bat, 
pretty much. Uh, Kylo Ren, like Snoke tells him, like, take that mask off or whatever he says. Right. And Kylo's mad and he busts his mask and we're done. There is no more mask anymore. And we find, and like, we actually get to see Adam Driver's face the whole time in the movie, which is a huge thing. He's doing all of these emotional scenes with his face and not behind that mask. And I think that's a big thing. And because Adam Driver is so good at it yeah. and he was so good at brooding, say what you will about Adam Driver. And if you want him to play Kylo Ren, he kills it in this movie. Yeah, well, the other thing, there was a little bit of uh, allegory between, you know, if you look at Darth Vader's mask that was all busted up and wrecked, and then his mask after he beat the hell out of the wall with it, uh, it was, I saw some comparisons and some stuff there. So I thought that was kind of a a cool moment. But I agree with you. Driver is fantastic in the role. Um, I also loved his work in, what was the NASCAR thing that he did with Daniel Craig? Uh, oh, Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky. I uh, saw that recently, and you know he, he played a real Southern redneck <laughs> kind of guy. And I can say that because I'm Southern redneck myself. But um, yes, Adam Driver's performance worked for me. Ray's performance worked for me. Their dynamic yes. worked for me. Their chemistry on screen between those two are is palpable. Even it's, though they're even, not in the same space, except for like one part of it. How special is that? Yeah. I mean, that's a real testament to their thing that they're not even on the same sets that they're working together. Um, and then there's this like weird thing with them or like, is he in love with her? And is she kind of in love with him? Oh, even though she's God. mad at him. That's a whole big thing. And then they're both like about. so lonely. And then like they're looking for each other. And like there's a weird like, are they brothers? kind of gross. The whole time, but the whole time you're guessing, are they brother and sister because of the old rules? But yes. they've thrown the rules out the window. So it, it, I, again, this goes back to that unpredictability about this that makes this movie like cool where you don't know what's going to happen next. Oh. Um, another thing that you've got listed here under what worked. That I want to put under what didn't work for me. This is a funny juxtaposition to to go back and forth uh, because you listed that the Snoke CGI and the Andy Serkis's performance um, was it's amazing. Was a good thing. It's amazing. It's it's. I it's, felt cheated by it. Yes, in a way, because of him disappearing with over an hour left in this movie. In in theory, he's the big baddie. We want to know how he got to be Snoke and why he's Snoke and why his face is all messed up. We'll never know. No, I'm, the, we'll, I, never, we'll never know until they do some sort of Marvel comic about it. No, or, I, I heard Andy Serkis was going to be performing him. I had heard that there was going to be, it was going to be like in person, no more hologram shit. And it, I got a little bit upset at the beginning of the movie when um, he, after Hux, Poe did the thing with Hux at yeah. the very beginning and Snoke's, giant head <laughs> yeah. peeps in like the wizard of oz yep and he whips him uh, around he whips him force. around and all that stuff but then we get to see him in his chambers and i just went <gasps> we and see him in physical form finally. physical form and then halfway through the movie you get his ship warping in out of nowhere and it's giant oh, and massive yeah. and i went <gasps> yeah and then nothing we yeah. got no backstory on snoke we got no additional context he's just somehow magically anointed as supreme leader and we have no reason why and basically dies instantly and those are the things that didn't work but let's keep talking yeah. about the things that did work let's talk about leia and carrie fisher's performance this well, being to her finish last. my thought okay, andy circus's performance the little bit that was in there fantastic yes and yet again he brings an another amazing mocap character to life just like he's done with Smeagol, just like he's done with Caesar. Yeah. All, I mean, wow. What a career in the last 20 years that guy's had. We, again, back to Carrie Fisher and Leia, and we get to see like a new sort of side of her. We didn't get to see much of her being the general and the leader and like the matriarch in Force Awakens, but sure. we get to see a little bit more of that. Um, her as a leader of the resistance and her sort of like dressing uh, Poe Dameron down. 
Um, we get to see her having the crazy force powers where you think she's dead, but she's not because she pulls like a Mary Poppins and like floats through space back into the, the thing. And you're like, oh, that's great. Um, her performance. I didn't think that. Well, I know. But like her, her performance was so beautiful and was such a proper send off for her and that character, um, knowing that she won't return, sadly. Um, I, I was thrilled to see that. The other one that I will bring up that I thought was my favorite moment, the big surprise moment. Again, if you're listening at this point, super spoiler right here. Um, Yoda's return. Yes. I didn't see that coming at all. Me either. And it was fantastically done as a way to get Luke to finally be on board with training Ray, with returning to the resistance, to helping them out, all of that stuff. It was a very pivot. It ended up being a very pivotal point in the movie of the burning of the Jedi tree. It's almost, I, I would argue right now, it's my favorite moment in that movie. Okay. Is, is him is him returning and just sort of like, not bringing balance, but like he's he's involved in the whole like, yeah, those books don't matter. And like, because Luke's like, oh, Jedi's, oh, no more Jedi. The Jedi were great. And then it was like all a big joke. And like, we screwed it all up and like good and like whatever. But then Yoda comes in just like being Yoda, just being the funny, like, like hitting him with his cane and, and and all of that. Here's another thing that Ryan Johnson said, by the way, in the uh, thing last night. Okay. Yoda is practical. Frank Oz was there and did the puppet just like they did in Empire. And Neil Scanlon, the guy that was in charge of creature effects, actually went and found an old mold that they used to make that puppet. So they made the puppet again and they did the whole thing with him and Luke on that thing. And they shot it in one night. And Frank was underneath the like the thing and like doing all the puppetry all of it so wow so that of course him being like us and being our age and, and like getting to actually see that happen empire is probably his favorite movie too but can you imagine like being there and watching frank oz do that thing and just oh wow all huge over myself moment. huge moment holy smokes well you mentioned mark hamill in that moment with yoda let's talk about mark hamill's performance a little bit because okay. it was a big deal in this it frankly was the kind of the the overarching theme of this story was getting luke to come back and help and ultimately end up coming back to help yeah. at the end. Um, what did you think of his performance overall from kind of start to finish? Because I have differing opinions about different parts of the movie for his performance. I thought he played it really well, and I really enjoyed because um, you expect him to be a certain way. You immediately want him to be Obi-Wan right off the bat, and he's not, and he gets to play it. And, you know, the angry, like, he almost plays Yoda in yeah. a weird way, like the, no, no, I'll, I'll train you at dawn, and he's knocking ray down and he's messing with her about the force and he does that thing where he tickles her fingers with the with the uh the, the palm frond or whatever and yeah. he's like that's the force that's not the force you know he's messing with her because he doesn't believe it anymore either so the, like the it's fun to watch his his character arc of being against it and then watch him come full circle to basically save the day at the end and you know uh yeah the running gag of moving rocks was was very palpable as well throughout. Sure, the, but the, I mean that that's, that, that's not about his performance. His performance, I think, to go from angry Luke to uh, you know questionable Luke to Yoda saying like you're wrong and like it's all about the the, the underlying theme of you know failure is the best teacher, and then him realizing like I do need to come back and I do need to finish this and. And he even does like the, the Obi-Wan stuff of like faking the like, this is what happened with Kylo. And then Kylo's like, no, this is what really happened with Kylo. And Luke's like, okay, this is what happened. Like we see that flashback three times of him either killing him or not killing him or he doesn't know what to do and how he's feel like he's failed everything. Like, can you imagine like, like all of that pressure's on you and then suddenly like he, he plays it and, and it works for me. And, and yeah, I didn't like him on. Uh, at Atatu, two whatever that planet's called, the island planet is called, where he's uh, marooned himself. I didn't really like that stuff, and there was that was a little bit of the slapstick that was coming in 
of trying to be funny, but it wasn't really funny. Is that because you didn't like Hamill's performance or because he wasn't being the Luke that you wanted him to be at that moment? A bit of both. Okay. Maybe a bit of both. And and I'll take that one on the chin for sure of, of just that being me, and I own that. Um, but Because I went in with certain expectations of what he would be after they went through all that effort. Sure, we all the did. The entire movie of we're Force waiting, Awakens we're waiting for him to speak. is about finding where Luke is hiding, and in the culmination of that whole movie at the end is yeah. when BB-8 and R2... R2 finally wakes up and puts the map up, and BB-8 completes it, and, oh, my God, we found Luke, finally! Yeah, yeah. And the finale is her flying off to find it. All right, so I expected him, after all that setup and all that buildup, to be the savior, yeah. to be the guy. You what win, do? you win, you found me. Let's go Three back. you and- guys, throw the lightsaber <laughs> yeah. over, slam the door. I am not interested. Oh, uh, okay. Yes, I'm a little bit upset about that, if you can't hear it in the sound of my voice. But his performance as Luke was very akin to his performance as Luke in the original trilogy. I will grant him that. If you've listened to any of the other work that Mark Hamill's done, especially in the Joker stuff, his work Joe work as the Joker in the Batman series, it's phenomenal yep. character work. This was a little bit intentionally, it felt to me at least, a little bit intentionally campy and almost absent-minded yep. in a weird way like the original Luke character was, or he just couldn't be bothered. And he played that well up until the... So I didn't like that in Octu. But once he showed up on the salt planet that was supposed to be Hoth, but it's not really Hoth. Yeah. Fantastic. The hologram thing was great. Him using his Jedi powers and meditating. Loved it. I was in at that point. And the moment we got with him and Leia inside the cave, even though he was just a hologram, uh, was pretty cool. Even Somehow he touched her face, Uh, even though... Listen, it's a movie! Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, Mark Hamill's performance, while the whole, basically, the, of the last two movies have been built around finding him and bringing him back to save the Resistance, we got a proper send-off with him, Obi-Wan Kenobi-ing, yeah. into the into Force. The force yeah. Yep. So, fine. I, I have no problem with Hamill's performance, really, uh, in that respect. So, you have you don't have a problem with Hamill's performance. You have a problem with the way that Luke was when, when they first get there. Yes. That has nothing to do with his performance. Agreed. So, his performance... Was fine. Made you angry because his performance was good. It's not what I wanted, I damn know, it. I know, I know. Here's the other <laughs> thing. So we finally get the reveal again. Super spoiler alert. We finally get the reveal of Ray's parents, and it's not Han Solo, and it's not Luke Skywalker, and she's not the 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 child of Obi-Wan with some other Sabine or whatever the hell it is. Um her parents are nobodies. Her parents are like drunks that just drop her off, and everybody's like, I don't know about that. But am I, I the, am I but, the only one that went, oh man, really? I I did too. But then when I thought about it, I love the idea of the fact that she's just a regular person that has force powers, and you don't have to be a part of the lineage. You don't have to be a part of like this elite group of people to be a hero. I'm gonna come back to this on the what didn't work section. So I'm just I'm letting you guys know in advance because I have a lot to say about this Fine. that will play into that. Let's stay with the things that did work. Yes. I think the ship battles are all well done. We have the introduction of these giant ships like the Dreadnought class we've never seen and like Snoke's like super giant ship. That was great. And we see like all of these like that first ship battle at the beginning with the bombs dropping like things we haven't seen before. Amazing. And cannons that can fire down to the planets and take out other ships. And now ships can detect things in hyperspace. Great. Um that was one thing that I thought was fantastic. Yeah, and the the, opening, the way that they shot ship battles and like we we're outside a ship and we zoom in and we see like people in the cockpit and they're talking in the cockpit. You know, whether it's a ship in the sky or when we get down to um, uh, 
uh, what is it, kite or whatever that other planet is, no idea. where the rebel base is, and we and they're on the little scooters with the ski on the bottom that are shooting the red stuff out. But we're still Hoth wannabe. Sure, we're still like we're outside the ship, but then we're seeing like we like you don't like, normally. It's just like shot of ship, and then we cut to the cockpit shot, and then we right. back out. The, but we're seeing like actual. It's it like you're a part of it, and that that to me was like really neat. No, the whole opening bit of of Poe Dameron in the X wing by himself and messing with General Hux and and then just kicking it into gear and yeah. the interaction with BB eight that that pulled all my fanboys. Yeah, strings and they really and, sell Poe Dameron as like the hotshot pilot, yes. and, and it's absolutely true. But the, the, uh, we'll get into the things I didn't like <laughs> later about Poe. But um, another thing, uh, the, the, I thought that final scene with Luke and Leia when he finally shows up at the end and he and he finally is with her and he says I'm sorry and she's like it's okay and and that moment where he hands her the the golden dice which we've never seen before but the golden dice basically it's like that was the one moment in a weird way that that actually put our three heroes in the same spot with Han, Luke and Leia whether or not Han was actually physically there it was like this this moment that you wanted where I'm sorry and she says it's okay and and she's uh, he says uh she's he's gone and then Luke says nobody's ever really gone and it's it, and a nod to Han not really being gone yeah and it, in a weird way you find out that he's not really ever gone either which is going to happen eventually I think that was a really really cool moment that a lot of people don't really take the weight of that I was in tears but I mean uh yeah how did he hand the golden dice to her as a I don't hologram? know I don't know like I don't get it I don't get it but then when Kylo picks him up later he because he he storms the base just like Vader did in Empire and Hoth and he picks up the golden dice and they disappear Oh, uh, okay. Which I didn't notice until the second viewing, but yeah, like so, Han's dice become a Force ghost? Maybe I don't know. Who knows? Well, there's this. Call it a passing of the torch, if you will. But we had this kind of ending bookend moment of letting go of. We've lost Han Solo now. Leia, as we know, unfortunately has passed away, so we will not be seeing her in Episode Nine. And now Luke has gone off with the Force. Yep. Not to rule out any of the three of them from showing up sure. in Obi-Wan Kenobi ghost form. I have a theory on that. But, um, but it's it's interesting to me and exciting to me that we've now moved on. Yes. Episode 9 should be the culmination of the Skywalker saga. Or, and, or the beginning of a Kylo and Rey saga of sorts. So we've got something to look forward to. and. Frankly, nothing to look forward to other than excitement. Yeah, for we what we have no idea what will come next. You could finally tell this story without like what's going on with Luke, what's going on with Han, what's going on with Leia. Now it's that's done. Now we can just focus on Kylo, Ray, Poe, Finn, uh, anybody else that's Hux, anybody that's left. We could just focus on them, and that's what to me is is one of the big positives about this movie is that we can just do Episode Nine, whatever JJ decides to do with it. Now that we know that there isn't a, a overarching whatever character line, um, we get to finally see what that's going to be. And because the, all of the rules and 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 uh, tropes that we've come to know over forty years of Star Wars have been thrown out the window, we have no idea what's coming next. And to me, that's really exciting. But it's supposed to be the end. It's supposed to be the final thing because, as we know. Ryan Johnson, the director of this one, has been tapped for the next trilogy that will be completely outside the scope of the Skywalker saga. Yes, and I wonder if it's Allegedly. about. And I wonder if it's about the kid that we see at the end that has the force power, that has the little resistance the ring guy? that he got. Yeah, that he got from Rose. The newsies, maybe <laughs> the newsies. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, my only my last thing as far as the, uh, is the good would be um, Ryan Johnson does a really good job, despite what you think of the 
what's actually happening in them. The intertwining stories. So you've got the ships that are happening. That's sort of like plays your role of like the ticking clock of like, you've got 18 hours until they can catch everybody that's happening. Then we go down to Canto bite, which we'll talk about that in a minute. And then you've also got the race story. Like all of those things are intertwined. They're cut back and forth really well. He does a really good job. Um, and that's him and that's editing of, of keeping you somewhat interested despite your interest level of what's happening at the same time. And right. The funny thing is again, the timeline of this, and that's, I guess we can start into the things that didn't work is, um, the, apparently this all happens within 18 hours because force awaken ends, right. And Ray is on Octu or Ach two or whatever that Island is called the toad people. Island. Sure. That's where that movie ends. So when she lands there and that stuff, she's about to hand off that lightsaber to her, to, to Luke. At the same time, the rebels are clearing the base from that. We saw at the end of force awakens. And just as they're clearing the base, the first order shows up and then we get this big space battle as they're trying to evacuate. So this has all happened quickly. And now somehow within 18 hours, Ray has gone down to Octo, learned what she could learn from Luke, but not really had her like Skype conversations with Kylo flies back has the big scene with with snoke and kylo in that thing uh finn has met rose goes down to canto bite gets uh uh the key uh, Benicio del toro and fly back up to the ship right. and then they also have the big showdown with phasma meanwhile the ships are <laughs> are disappearing as they run out of fuel and there's the big conflict between poe dameron and and uh, laura dern's character uh, vice admiral holdo and all of that's happening within an 18 hour period that it's a it's pretty far-fetched for me maybe but it it kind of works because because it's a movie like as you said right? it's a movie uh the light speed stuff comes into play and who knows what you know you could be across the galaxy it could be from the outer rim to wherever you're going in 10 minutes right so yeah. here's another thing like of the things that didn't work um I'm going to give you a list of things. So okay. all of here's all of the things in Force Awakens that were set up that don't get really a payoff, right? Oh, okay. Here's one for you. Um, how does Poe know Maz Kanata? Remember when he's like, they call back to her. And she's like, no, go find the dude with the red flower. And he's calling her on like, the, the, like that hologram thing. Poe never met Maz Kanata, ever. Oh, he ever, just flew in to ever, save the resistance because on her remember, planet. Yeah, because it, that was Han and Rey and all those people. And they've yeah. already, like, this is like a day later in theory because Han gets, you know, shot or gets stabbed by Kylo. And then, like, how would Poe be like, yeah, Maz, what's going on? And so this character, also the same character that was like, go down into this thing and touch the lightsaber. And the lightsaber will give you this vision. Like, wait, what? Does well, Isn't Maz this kind of infamous traitor of sorts? That, well, no, I know. don't know. We don't know enough about her. And this movie does nothing to further that character along. And she she was in that first movie, like a Yoda-like character that sort of was like all-knowing and like she could look into people's eyes. I could see that you're this way, right? Like all that stuff was great. And then they just, it, she's just a throwaway in a hologram in this movie. Yeah. Maybe we'll see her again. I don't know. Um, the Snoke origin. Oh, I'm so bent out of shape about this. Look, this is this is the one thing for me that really stood out that I was just mad. That, and I'm sure there was a whole story that got chopped out somewhere. Um, you could make an entire side story about Snoke. Sure. In my opinion. A and I'm, Rogue sure, One that, I'm sure they will on a oh, comic or whatever wait. it'll be. Please do that, Disney, if you're listening and Kathy. Because um, we got I, the story of the Emperor, even though we just met the Emperor in Empire right? and Jedi, we didn't know much about him. But then we go back in the prequels, and we've learned how uh, Emperor Palpatine became Darth Sidious, and then we get to that point. We didn't know when we saw Empire and Jedi, just like we don't know when we see him in this, but we want to know. That's the issue. 
God. Are we going to have another set of prequels? I don't know. Oh, Maybe. boy. Maybe. Oh, boy. Uh, I wanted to see more of Snoke before we got to his chambers and teaching Kylo Ren and his ship warping in. And yeah. it, it was just there. And there's part of me that respects that as a directorial choice sure. to assume you know that your audience is smart enough to just go along with it. Uh-huh. But at the same time, I'm like, no, I'm fanboying a little bit. Like, I that's the new supreme leader that's that the succeeded Emperor. the Emperor Palpatine. Yeah. I want to know who that guy is, and he dies in 20 minutes. Yeah, he dies like he dies with an hour left in the movie, and he dies in like a sh- stupid way. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, he he already like Ray goes to get him. Like it's that whole like Emperor thing. Like I'm gonna get the lightsaber. Now. I'm, I'm so mad. And then he sends a lightsaber around her and. He tells uh, Kylo, "You got to kill her." And then he looks at her, and then and then there's that moment where the lightsaber turns, but somehow he can't sense that, and then he gets cut in half, and he's gone. We saw this then, with we saw this then, with Vader yeah. throwing Palpatine. And you into- brought this up. All the dudes in the red who were sweet, like they suddenly immediately go to fight them. Why? But in theory, Kylo is their new leader. Yep. Why would he that- has succeeded Snoke, and they should immediately just kneel? While that battle is arguably one of the best things in the movie, yes, it's it doesn't make sense. Nope, no sense at all. No. It's- Anyway, back to the Force Awakens stuff that doesn't make sense to me. Yes. Why is the Falcon on Jakku? I've, uh, if 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 it wasn't left there for Ray to find at, at a certain point, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I think they established that in the Force Awakens by kind saying of. that he bought it, but it's too perfect. Like it's too. It, it goes into that like that theory of like everybody was like maybe Han's her dad, and like maybe like there's a like, you, you would think there's a reason for that. No, but uh, in Force Awakens, the guy that three quarter potions, yeah, that sure. guy says he bought it off of somebody for something, and yeah. I can't remember the details of it right now, but. Uh, that's how it got to Jakku. Um, have, I don't know. So here's the other one. So and again, and when she goes down into the tunnel in Force Awakens, she touches the lightsaber. First of all, why is the lightsaber there? What that to me is like the most important thing <laughs> in the Force Awakens, it. and it's like this thing that that she has to get and take to Luke, so Luke can come back and save the universe. But. And then she has a vision. How did it get there? Is she that what a, you're asking? Well, she has a vision. She has a vision of her parents leaving her and the ship flies off, yeah. right? And then she has this vision of Kylo and the Knights of Ren, right? In the rain. Remember that rain thing? Yeah. And I vaguely. guess, like, who are those guys? Are, the, are we going to see them in episode nine? Or are those the guys that, like, after this whole uh, Kylo Ben or uh, Luke Ben thing where, like, uh, he they fight and then the whole Jedi Temple goes down and he's, they say something like he took a couple of people with him? What happened to those guys? Are those right? the Knights of Ren? Those are the Knights of Ren oh. from from the vision, but we don't know. Like we're trying to put the pieces together as fans of Star Wars because we need all of this like lore, yeah. right? That doesn't make sense to me. And again, why does the Anakin lightsaber even exist here? Why is that thing that she touches, if she's not related to him, which we we assume now that she's not? We know now that she's. If not. she touches that, why does she get all these visions of things and then has to, to take that saber back to Luke just so it can get cut in half later? I I'll, don't get it. I'll come back to that. Um, let's talk about the the whole thing that was set up in Force Awakens between Finn and Ray. There was this oh, yeah. kind of palpable love story sort of thing, especially from Finn's side, falling for. Ray, it seemed like it. It seemed like that, but then it turns into this brotherly sisterly thing about halfway through the movie. Well, no, even of, even at the beginning of the movie, because he's trying to leave, and the reason he meets Rose is because he's trying to go find her. I understand. I, halfway through Last Jedi, oh. that that they kind of because then Finn goes off and kind of the the Asian chick that's the engineer, Rose. Rose, thank you. That um, it, so okay, all that gets thrown out the window all of a sudden. But we've spent a movie and a half uh, developing this kind of 
high school chemistry stopped grabbing my hand yeah you, know, you brad blah, blah, blah. and she kissed him on the forehead at the end when he was hurt you know and i don't know if that's like a, a long a friendly gaze thing. and yeah oh uh, you know i i fine you should have just established that from the beginning is it kind of a callback to the luke and leia weirdness in the beginning maybe of the, maybe the, the original trilogy maybe maybe the last thing here that I want to touch on, and I want to bring us back to something that we talked about that was a, a thing that was liked, was something that I didn't like. And this is overall of the entire saga that I want to talk about here. And that's okay. the going back to the demystification of the Jedis and the Sith. When I was re-watching, and this might take my, some of my geek street cred away, so listeners, I apologize in advance if this offends any of you, okay. Star Wars geeks. I never knew until the re- until I saw the Force Awakens that you couldn't that you could operate a lightsaber or power a lightsaber without the midichlorians and the Jedi Force powers and stuff, right? Uh, so uh, I guess what I wanted to get to was this: w- the Force Awakens actually undid this for me because now I, I noticed finally that there was a button, and all you had to do was push a button, and you have a lightsaber. Well, Han does it in Empire Strikes Back when he cuts open the Tauntaun to put that's, Luke inside of it. Okay, that's so fair. anybody can hit the button on a lightsaber, and then and then you wonder like how can how can Finn actually start to battle Kylo Ren in Force Awakens? Yes, right because. My- he- it's, my inner geek yes. had always lived by this only a Jedi mythological okay, yeah. thing not that so, only so. a Jedi could wield a lightsaber and only a Jedi could do this because of these things in this story that they've built and only they can do the chokes and they can harness the power of the Force and that's required to power a lightsaber. Yeah. I've lived by that kind of mythos yeah. for, for decades now. The lightsaber is just a lightsaber. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a lightsaber at home. I'm not a Jedi. I can turn it on. It's awesome. I, there's part of me that goes, okay, fine. It's a movie. <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. it's like a Pirates of the Caribbean syndrome. You know, you get to this third Pirates movie and everybody's a pirate all sure. of a sudden. <laughs> now you get to these Star Wars movies and everybody can wield lightsabers all of a sudden. I didn't want that to happen. And yes, I take that as a personal nitpick of my own. But Fair enough. I, it's just, oh God, that was such a powerful kind of feeling to harness over the course of all of those movies. And I feel like The Force Awakens was the thing that undid it for me. Or I thought that it was because Finn and Rey had some kind of okay. thing inside them. So when we undo that and we say that Rey's parents are, oh, they were just trash dealers on Jakku. Sure. Oh, so now that, oh, great. So now she has these Force powers and she wields a lightsaber with these incredible feats, but she has absolutely no lineage to the Jedi whatsoever. It just kind of undid all the magic for me. Okay, so let me deconstruct that. So there's, at the end of Force Awakens, uh, Finn picks up the lightsaber to go battle Kylo and he gets punked right away, Mm -hmm. right? And then we finally get the moment where we see that Rey actually has the force where Kylo goes to grab her lightsaber and it flies past him. She gets it yep. and then she has it, lights it up and then, you know, gives him his scar. Sure. And then we're like, and then they, they kick in with the boo like the, the force theme. And now we know that she has it. Great. So I think that anybody could pick up a lightsaber and wield it and start to swing it like a sword. Remember, he was a stormtrooper, so he's trained to at least fight with some sort of like melee weapon. Sure. In my in my head, just like they had that whatever that that gun sort of swinging thing that yeah, those like other stormtroopers club. Thing. Sure. Yeah. So th- it was that, but but they're not force powered people. They're just wielding what 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 is essentially a sword or a melee weapon. But damn it, I wanted them. To I be. know, I know. I'm just I'm deconstructing that. That's all I'm saying. Here's my biggest problem. With Force or with Last Jedi. Okay. The casino thing. Okay. 
Where do you want to begin? Let's start with this. <laughs> Let's start with this. So we have to go, for some reason, we have to go get a slicer or a code breaker, the greatest code breaker of all time, who wears a red flower, who just happens to be Justin Throw later. But because anyways. we have to sneak on a ship. Because we have to because we have to sneak on a ship and turn off the flux capacitor. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's, that's what it looked like. Yeah. And but but the thing is like uh Rose and Finn figure that out and they know what it is, but they have to go down to get a guy that knows how to turn it off. But to me, their their engineering skills, just her and him knowing him knowing how the inner workings of a uh, Imperial ship works and her knowing the mechanics of a ship. It just seems like you just need to get them over to the ship. There's no reason for them to go down to the casino to get the guy that knows how to do whatever. And then this series of events happens that, number one, it turns into like a prequel thing for me where like we go down and we get our our cantina scene and all these aliens and all these like stupid slapstick things like some leprechaun dude putting money into uh, BB-8 like he's, a, like he's a slot machine. And then they somehow get a parking ticket and then they go to jail for that. And then they just happen to be in jail with Benicio del Toro, who was great for what he was given. But I, and then, and then we find out that like uh, that Rose's character is sympathetic to the, to the slave people who have the horse dogs that like, you know, that uh, horse dogs, uh, you know, I love I, it, but you know what I mean? Like, yes. like that was great. And it was a nice little sequence, but like that to me felt like a whole prequel thing the whole time I'm watching that, especially the second time. I'm just like, just get over that. Let's just go back to the Ray Luke Kylo stuff. Cause that's the stuff that like that we want to know about. Now we'll get to, to the reason that I think that happened in a minute, but I don't know that casino thing. It, like that's like 15 minutes of the movie that could have been, could have been taken back and gotten us to the climax, which is like a really good part of this movie. And ultimately Benicio del Toro becomes completely useless other than the fact that he chews scenery uh, the entire 15 minutes that he's on the screen. Right. So then he may, but then after that, he betrays them and makes a deal. Like why would the empire or the empire, five the, the, minutes first, of being captured? But the first order is like, here's your, here's your big, like uh, cases of money. Right. Thanks for turning them in. But they didn't, he didn't turn them in. They're there. They got him. So like, why don't they wipe him out too? <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. It just, that whole sequence. And he's like, uh, no yeah, 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 give me the keys. Uh, you know, look, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Here's the other problem. So you got the like, and so of the of the three storylines, right? You've got the ship stuff that's happening, the 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 ticking clock of the ships that are that are dying off and losing right. losing whatever. The so they hours. have to now that now that Poe Dameron is out of a ship and he's not the hotshot pilot, you have to somehow create conflict in the ship, I guess. So him and Vice Admiral Haldo, played by Laura Dern, who did a cool job. Yeah. It's it's them fighting and you know uh, you're the hotshot pilot and you screwed up and yeah you know, whatever mutiny blah 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 they had to like create like some sort of fake conflict so Poe Dameron's like a really cool character but they just underutilized him in my opinion outside of a ship I don't I don't enjoy him yeah I'm being honest yeah and, and I love him being the crazy flyboy pilot his, I love Oscar Isaac he's a fantastic actor I totally agree and he's like as soon as BBH is like oh BBH I miss you like gives him a big hug he's like that's weird but okay you know. <laughs> It's no different than Luke and R2. Here's the other one. Captain Phasma, the silver freaking stormtrooper that everybody was excited to see that got no love in The Force Awakens. We finally get to see her show up and we think we get this like great uh, moment with her and we're finally get to see Captain Phasma do her thing. And then um, when, the, when the explosion happens and just because uh, Rose and Finn happen to be lying down about to get hit with that like laser Gillette like thing, like that razor thing or whatever it was, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, because they were lying down, everybody else gets wiped out with whatever piece of something that goes through the ship. I guess it was the the hyperspace thing, which was amazing, by the way. 
And by the way, why did she have to sacrifice herself? Why couldn't she just sit autopilot, hit the hyperspace, shoot through the thing? I love that, by the way, because the whole room goes silent. And then you get the, like, that was awesome. Because space. Because space. Why not? You know, there is no sound in space. Only aliens can hear you scream or whatever. But then um, the ship started blowing up and eh, you could hear that. Yeah, eh, anyway. Whatever, whatever. But so, so suddenly after the aftermath of that, they get up and then it's like Phasma is okay. And then she also has a legion of people, which disappear, by the way, <laughs> to get to the point where Finn and Phasma finally square off because, you know, he and her have to fight. And the fight's kind of cheap, and she shoots a gun, and then they have like a laser sword battle, but not really. And then we see like Gwendolyn Christie's eye, which is great, and then she falls down into like a fiery pit. Maybe she's not done. I don't know. It just it was she got punked pretty easily. Like if she's supposedly this badass, it just didn't work for me. She's Brienne of Toth. Yeah. <laughs> in a spacesuit, in a stormtrooper suit that's chrome. Uh, yeah, I could have done completely without any of that, uh, if I'm being honest. I, I Going sp- back to anything to do with the the Star Wars trope of sneaking onto a ship again, yeah. the flux capa- unoriginal flux capacitor thing that somehow tracked people through hyperspace, which made no sense, and the the showdown between Phasma and Finn, it just all felt like stuff that got shoved in when there was probably other really good stuff like I don't know Snoke backstory well the thing that we the thing that we got with the Finn Phasma thing is like Finn finally fighting back nobody cared i know but like for his character arc we finally got him fighting back against the against uh, his superior it, it, that's that's the character that was his superior that's like FN2187 and she was mad at him the whole so we're we're starting to see his turn where instead of running away from being a uh, uh, an empire or for a former first order person, he's actually starting to fight back and we see like his, and, and it's going to pay off later when he decides like, I'm going to sacrifice myself and fly into the, the battering ram thing. And then Rose saves him back to the Rose character. I would have let him die. I would have let him be that savior. Uh, uh, That's just I, me though. I know, but I think like he's, he, he has to have a greater purpose because we've set him up as like the first thing we see in force awakens is like that sympathetic stormtrooper, Right. Um, the Rose character. I, I liked her. I liked her performance. I liked her character. I like that she's related to somebody that sacrificed herself. I like that she has the uh, the half moon thing yep. that she shares with her sister that sort of it, it speaks to like the yin yang. The old best BFF necklace, yeah, it's, right? Yeah, it's the yin yang thing. Yep. Um, um, but again, the the backstory for her is, is a little bit forced and she's like, oh, look at this. Look at the slave people. Like, I wish it was like this. And she finally sees the horse dog and like it likes them for the first time. Um, and then they have that like that forced thing with her when she when she knocks uh, uh, Finn's ship away from whatever, and when he just, was going to sacrifice just, himself, right? And just about when when you thought she was dead, she's not. I guess maybe um, she gives him a kiss, and it's like, wait a minute, I thought Finn, like there's like, are we setting up like a weird love triangle in episode nine where Finn likes Ray, but like Rose really likes Finn, and Kylo wants to get with Ray, and like how's but Ray ha- Ray wants to be a Jedi, so she can't have know. a love interest. I don't know. I don't know. That's but, part of the rules. But the Jedi rules are out of the table. I right? don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> and uh, at the end of the day, though, you also don't really care what happens. I was gonna say, do we give a shit? Well, you don't care what happens to either Poe or Finn in this movie. <laughs> you don't. You don't. Um, they have like they have like a like a Finn has a, more of a redemption moment, I guess, than than Poe does. Like Poe eats crow after he's he says uh, um, he fails. You know, Leia's whole thing about like yeah, it's great that you that you won that thing, but look how many people we lost. And Poe and Poe learns that, and he he makes the the turn in the uh, the Hoth fight, <laughs> kite yeah. or whatever that that planet's called. Yeah, and he says no, no, turn away, turn away, turn away, and he tries to save people, and he jumps into the trench. Um, 
I don't know. Like, what do you do with those characters in the next movie? Like, how do you make them even matter in the story of Kylo and Rey? What are they possibly going to do? I don't know. As far as Poe is concerned, I think he continues to just be that flyboy. I don't know if there's like a, anything else that he contributes. I think he's the new Han Solo, in my opinion. He's that's where he's coming in. Here's another thing that if if you wanted to make the casino thing that I hated so much, if you wanted to make that matter, you know what you do to make that matter? What you put Lando in that scene? Oh yeah. Oh, big, big missed opportunity. Yes. Lando should have been there. Lando should have been uh, somehow or something and like just some sort of way. And he realized that those people were resistance and he would have helped them out. Right. And get him out of there. And I, I don't Maybe know a little too on the nose comparison. Doesn't to matter. But like, Jedi but that's and, like, know. that's a situation that Lando should be in. He Agreed. should be there like hobnobbing with the rich. Right. And, and maybe there would be some sort of like nod to, to Finn being like, I was there when Han Solo died or something. And like, they would have had a moment or something. That was a missed opportunity, in my opinion. There, there's one other thing that to wrap this up here. Uh, what that I didn't like, and I want to be We're saying a lot of stuff we I, didn't like. I know. Unfortunately. There's a lot of little nitpicky things I didn't like when at the beginning, and I'll come back to this. Overall, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but nitpicky stuff. I didn't like the Leia Mary Poppins moment. Okay. Um, and here's why. When I first saw it, that I loved the conflict, inner conflict of Kylo deciding not to shoot because that's, yeah, that's mom. Yeah. Brilliant moment. And then the TIE fighters swoop in and drop their bombs. And I actually, my immediate thoughts in my head was, oh, he's going to mess them up. Yeah, me and too. I, it, I thought he was going to shoot the TIE fighters down. Just whatever. Because because Sith. Because bad stuff. But that goes back to the unpredictability. Go ahead. Um, the And then Leia going out. And I'm like, oh, man, what an amazing way to send her off. And, you know, she she gets blown up, leading, leading the charge. Yep. You know, going down with in battle as, as the most honorable thing, and just staying on the yeah. bridge in the most brink of disaster, sensing that her son is there and doesn't kill her. Yes, and she still gets blown out into space. And I thought that was a wonderful moment way with Carrie Fisher's passing to send off Princess Leia in a beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. And then they bring her back to life, and she somehow Mary Poppins herself <laughs> back onto yeah. the ship. And can breathe in space and can somehow unfreeze herself and then gets into the medical pod and we don't see her for ha- half an hour. Yeah. But then she shows up and does uh, her stun moment. Uh, it works. It works. It, it, no. I, I, get what you're, I get what you're saying. It, but They you should have just left well enough alone. Yes. They had it. Agreed with you. But without that moment, you still don't get that amazing Luke Leia moment at the end. I think you do, but as force ghosts. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So I, I think you could have had something special at the end with both of them. As Force Ghost, maybe she shows up and chats with Luke while Yoda's there. Force Skyping again? Force <laughs> Skyping, you know? It's, it's a thing, right? Brought to you by Microsoft. Uh, so let's talk about where this goes from here and yeah. our predictions of like what we think will come in Episode 9 because nobody has any idea... Which is, what, which, which is the coolest thing about this is. movie, in my opinion. So, like, well, we've, okay. nit, we've nitpicked a bunch about this, yeah. but like the fact that we don't know what's going to happen, we don't know that the Ewoks are going to show up and save the day in episode oh God, nine. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's really exciting to me. Maybe Jar Jar comes back. I don't know, but like to me. <laughs> Speaking of frog people. Dude, son of a. Maybe um, they come back. It, that's exciting to me. We don't know what's next. <laughs> we don't know what's next. Um. We, we, here's what we do know. J.J. Abrams has is replacing Trevor, uh, uh, Colin Trevorrow yep. uh, to, to direct episode nine. Um, that's about it. That's frankly... And what, he gets to wrap up the story. If, if it's true that he gets to change whatever Ryan Johnson did and make something of it, if there's no 
overarching arc, right? He gets to do whatever he wants with the characters that he is he event he essentially created. Yeah. In the first movie. Yeah. Um I I don't know what to expect anymore. I think they they did enough definitive shit in Last Jedi to really put things hard into motion. And I don't expect a lot of twists and turns at this point. I expect I want definitive closure on the Skywalker saga. Here I'll, I'll do this. Here's what I want to happen. As I go into a lot of movies with expectations. Yes. I want definitive closure on the nine movie Skywalker yes. saga. I don't want a Matrix ending. No. I don't want the Mr. Anderson fight. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, I I want, now that we've seen Luke and Leia and Han off, I want something about either the first, the demise of the First Order and the rise of happiness and the Republic comes back. But it has to end that way. It has to end that way. The Resistance has to win somehow. All of the theme, the guys that were out in the outer rim that, you know, were taking a shit and they didn't get their text <laughs> in time to come in and save them from yeah. the evil Snoke baddie First Orders. Uh, you know, now they're going to show up finally on the wannabe Hoth planet or wherever they flew off to to save the day. And we get this huge resistance battle against what's left of the First Order after Snoke is gone. His master ship is decimated. Hux is kind of just a whipping boy at this point, And Kylo Ren is kind of this, you know, emo yeah. bad boy that can't decide what he really wants in life. But he's still conflicted. Yeah, that's and, what I mean. And, totally. now, and now do I get to go on my super rant about what I think is going to happen? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for a minute. Turn loose. All right, here we go. Um, I think a bunch of time has to pass between this and the next one because you have to, number one, explain Leia's disappearance. She has to... Okay, this movie ends with like 12 people on the Millennium Falcon who is, who is left of the Resistance. Right. Right? They're going to fly off and they have to get some sort of uh, more Resistance people like you're talking about, the people that didn't get the text. They're like, oh, sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Oh, hey, hey, guys, right? Could you call that Guardians of the Galaxy? Sure, fine. Um, <laughs> but we have to remember that all the rules have been thrown out the window, right? Okay. Or have they? Um, because will Luke return as a force ghost now? Maybe. Maybe. And then I have this weird other theory. The funny thing that happens when, when after the battle bef before Luke uh, go becomes one with the force, he says to Kylo Ren, just like Obi-Wan did to Vader, you know, along the lines of, if you strike me down, I should become more powerful than right. you could possibly imagine. He doesn't say that line, but he says, um, I'll always be here, and so will your father. The interesting thing is his last line to Kylo Ren is, see you around, kid. Mm. That's not a Luke line. Mm. To me, that's a Han Solo line. Interesting. See you around, kid. That's a Han Solo line. So I wonder if not only, and I don't know how this works, but again, we've thrown all the rules out the window. Not only will we get a Luke ghost, but I wonder if we get a Han ghost. So Ghost Han Solo somehow empowered the body of Hologram. I don't. I don't know. This is Luke again. Skywalker again, this is to all speak to his kid again. All speculation oh, on my boy. part. But You're then I also. There, but Andy. then I also wonder if there's an Anakin Force ghost as well to bring this whole nine. <laughs> well, with Hayden Christensen and or then something. Obi Wan and Yoda. And everybody's I, I a ghost. We've seen people like like there has to be like at the end of it after we've sort of figured out what the Kylo Ray thing at the end of it, it all has to come full circle because this whole story from one to nine is based on Anakin and Luke and now Kylo. So does Kylo, the one that has to bring balance to the force, does he finally make his turn back Do him and, and Ray ride off into the sunset? And do they take down the first order? And for me, if there's no Snoke, if they finally get together and take down the first order, they just have to wipe out uh, Hux. That's easy, 
right? If we assume that the First Order is the last remnants of the Galactic Empire, yes. Or does Ray take Kylo out, and that's the end of the Skywalker bloodline? That's it. Done. Maybe. Maybe. But like we've said, Kylo is the only like worthwhile villain for the audience to still like be afraid of. Yeah. And he's already shown signs of that inner conflict like we talked about. So will we be spending the entire movie like waiting for his redemption or are we more on Ray's side? That's what's fun to me. Like you don't know who to root for. So you're kind of rooting for both, right? So maybe all of this ends with the son of Han, Kylo Ren and Leia being led astray by Luke, which we saw, and then eventually being killed by Ray. Like we said, that's awful. But there's the parallels here. You have um, uh, 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 Anakin and Obi-Wan like took him down because he was too powerful. And then that began Luke, right? And now you have... Uh, Kylo is all powerful and his, his boss or his Obi-Wan, his Luke takes him down or didn't. Right. And then you have Ray. So there's like the three, like, uh, I, I think there's like a thing there maybe, but we've, we've now, we now know that Ray is not part of this. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter so much. It does to me. I know it does, it, it does to me too, but like, but like I, I've, I've thrown it out because <laughs> legends don't exist. I can't let go. I know. I, I can't either. I'm the, I'm the freaking star Wars guy in the group. I'm oh. telling you 40 years of this stuff. So while we've nitpicked all of these things and we wonder how, like, we're excited right away. I've seen the movie twice. I'm going to see it again. I'm going to see it again and again and again. I, I want to know what's going to happen in episode nine. I can't wait for the next two years. And my last thing is, I wonder if the gold dice that we saw that we've never seen before show up in the Han Solo movie. In May. I think so. And I think uh, on our next episode, we'll talk a little bit about how that movie date might have shifted ah. from what I've heard uh, from next May. I've heard that they've moved that around. Oh. So we'll confirm that and talk about that on our next episode. But uh, some final thoughts here. Okay. Uh, just tying a bow on this this whole review. So uh, overall, again, I want to reiterate. I, I walked out of that initial screening Thursday night with a huge-ass grin on my face. Me too. And giddy all the way home because I had just ridden through yet another chapter, the eighth chapter of Star Wars, that we have spent the entirety of our lives yeah. invested in, right? But the next morning when I got up and I was still mulling all of it over and thinking about all the different things, I, I really found difficulty in this kind of schizophrenic identity crisis uh, that this movie was trying to... It didn't know what it wanted to be. Yeah. It didn't know whether it wanted to be the fan service kind of wank job that JJ <laughs> put together in The Force Awakens, which you guys have heard me rant about on this show before. Or if it wanted to be more about the expanding storylines that would lead us into a, uh, a a finale in episode nine. And I feel like the pro fundamental problem of this was that it tried to do both. Yeah. And it did both in a kind of mediocre way. And it didn't do enough to either one of those. So it left me feeling with this kind of, I don't know what you're trying to be to me yeah. kind of thing. So that's where it really comes down to me. I'm very excited about where this is going to go with the characters of Ray, Finn, and Poe. We need to that needs to be the focus. Now that we've moved past Leia, Han, and Luke, that needs to be the focus for Episode Nine and really nothing else. The wiping out of the First Order being the end of the what has been the Galactic Empire for decades. I like the idea that that's the final nail in the coffin. Um, Kylo Ren is kind of that guy. He's yeah. the last supreme leader, and the resistance is going to rise, and we're going to return to the days of Coruscant and the, the the Republic, 
and oh, everything's happy and everything's peaceful again. What a great bow to tie on the end of the nine-picture Skywalker saga that would be. Yeah. Um, even as a lifelong fan of Star Wars, as you know, and all of its traditions, uh, I was really cool with watching this movie unfold, and I like I, I love the fact that I had no idea what to expect as it was going, especially with, when we talked about he throws the lightsaber over his shoulder. Um, at the same time, it was tough for me to let go of all those rules traditions right. at the same time. Uh, because they've been ingrained with me for the past, what, 35 years or so, right? And it was tough for me to embrace this change here. But ironically, um, that's what this movie is actually all about, which is letting go of the past. So we as fans huh, are supposed point. to let go of the past as we're watching it. And this movie, I have to remember, um, while, oh, wait, I enjoyed it like not quite as much uh, as Force Awakens. I actually like Force Awakens a little bit better. But I appreciate all the risks that Johnson took in trying to tell a different story and breaking the rules. Um, but... Some of those things didn't really work for me, as we've, as we've mentioned and all the things that didn't work. Um, I, I, I need to remember that these movies are made for eight-year-olds. You know? <laughs> I do. Okay. I do, and not 41-year-olds like us. Right. Um, I need to move on from that, um, and I need to be happy that they're still making Star Wars movies. Um, and, and, and I'm going to go see this again, and this is a part of the, of, of the part of this world that I love, and whatever they decide to do is great. I'm excited to see uh, what's next. Well, so I guess the question becomes, should if, you, if you're listening to this, you've already seen the movie. Um, the question is, do you like it? Do I like it? The question, the answer for me is, yes, I like it. I had my issues with it. Just like I've had my issues with pretty much every Star Wars movie except the original trilogy. Um, but yeah, I, I can't wait to see what's next. Yeah, but, I absolutely enjoyed it for sure. It's, it's you know, uh, like I said, it's a fan kind of thing to be a part of this this saga. And that's really what it comes down to. You appreciate it for what it is. It's yet another chapter in a long-running story. It's not just a standalone movie. Like a, you can't even count Rogue One as like a standalone movie no. anymore. It's it's more in the akin to a prequel of sorts, right? Well, guys, that's our review. Uh, that was fun. That was a lot of fun to go through all of that. It's almost like there's this weight that's been lifted off our <laughs> shoulder. Like, oh, we got Justice League. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. All right, we got Star Wars done. Okay, 2017 can now officially. Ah, the next close. one we get to do is Black Panther. Oh <laughs> man, and Solo coming in yeah. uh, in next. Well, maybe in next the next few months we'll see. But uh, 2017 is coming to a close. We are going to be doing yet another episode this week to reflect on what else has happened. So be sure to check that episode out as well. I hope you guys are enjoying these reviews that we're doing more often now. We're having fun with them. And we're having a blast. This is kind of one of the things we've always wanted to do with this show is more and more of these kind of in-depth spoiler filled analyses of of these movies that uh that come out so hope you guys are enjoying it be sure and let us know you can come over and follow us on facebook at facebook.com slash official concession stand we also have a twitter account you can send us a tweet at concession stand or send us an email cs at orbital jigsaw.com if you like this show and want to support us you can uh buy a orange popcorn man t-shirt i did over at orbital jigsaw.com slash store Lots of holiday specials going on here for any of the last-minute shoppers looking for some stocking stuffers or phone cases or coffee mugs, anything like that. You can pick those up over there. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me over on Twitter at DatacenterDude. And I'm Andy Nelson. You can find me at AndyNelson76 also on Twitter. But until next time. Later. Bye. This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.